Cashflow Guys podcast, episode 32. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth-building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought-provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are here back again. It's that time of the week again. We have arrived at episode 32. And before I introduce today's guest, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. I was up in Chicago last week, up there in cold country, but it was actually pretty pretty nice up there. I was up there for the podcast movement. So I want to give a shout out to all the folks at Podcast Movement. Uh, spent some time with uh, John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn and, and uh, my podcast mentor, Cliff Ravenscraft. That was great. He's the guy that taught me everything I need to know to make all this fancy equipment sitting on my desk work. So that was a great time. We really enjoyed it and we took a we got a lot we took away quite a bit from it. So hopefully you will see some improvements in the show. A little bit of housekeeping uh, as far as uh, reaching out to us for our Facebook group. We're going to talk about Facebook groups today, but uh, our Facebook group is uh, going to cashflowguys.com forward slash group cashflowguys.com forward slash group. That's our little Facebook group. Any of the, all the listeners all the interviewees, I should say, our guests that are on the show are all members of the Facebook group. So if you have questions, you want to reach out to them after the show directly, uh, you can do that right through the Facebook group. And the reason why we did that group is to get you able to interact, number one, but more importantly, so that the group can benefit from the answers from our experts, our industry experts. And today we have a, a different kind of guest. Somebody new, somebody I actually met on Facebook. His name is Jordan Payne. He is the moderator, the owner, whatever you call it, of the of the Facebook group called The Kingdom. Now, in the show notes, I will put a link, a direct link to The Kingdom in the show notes. So if you're on a mobile device or whatnot, it'll be a forward slash, a cash flow guys forward slash, I'll probably put forward slash Jordan, and that will make you go right to his Facebook group if you want to join. I think it's a membership only you have to request to join. He just recently changed the name to The Real Real Estate Investors. So here with me today on the show, listening to me babble, Jordan Payne. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tyler. How's it going? Good, man. Real good. So you are out in Montana. Is that correct? I am. That's awesome. You know, I've driven through Montana, but I've never really spent a whole lot of time there. I was in the trucking business for many years, and I used to I used to go trucking on through there, but didn't stop too much. And I've always wondered what the real estate business was like out in Montana. Actually, have cell phones and internet and uh, running water now, so we're we're doing pretty good over here. Do you guys have buildings, or is it just high-rise tents all stacked together? Or are we doing a whole tree fort type of thing? It's mainly tents. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> no, we have we have a lot of uh, really really cool buildings and a lot of history here. So you know, I noticed that you. I've been watching your group for a while, and and somebody in my group actually had mentioned it, and that led me over there, and I started watching some of the videos that you and your partner put out there. Great stuff, by the way. I love it. 
And I noticed that you have the exact same mindset that we here at Cashflow Guys do, do that uh, myself, Christian, and uh, Jill, everybody else on the team, we all have the same vision. And it seems like without even knowing each other, you're basically talking the exact same thing that we are. I found that really, real interesting. So let's roll back. How did you get, what brought you to real estate and how in the heck did you adapt to my mindset without ever hearing of us? Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've got a little bit of an interesting story. It might be similar to some of the other stories on here, but, uh, you know, I was working with my parents actually, and I remember, uh, I'll always remember the day my, my dad brought me a book called rich dad and poor dad. Imagine that. Oh yeah. Most people have read that book and that book sparked an idea and I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. And, um, so I was still working with my parents. And then, um, shortly after that, I was working at the airport here in Billings, Montana. And, um, I was, I was very, very interested in real estate. So what I did was I spent every single night watching YouTube videos and jumping on Google, trying to find out as much information as I could about uh, wholesaling and buying properties. So that's, that's kind of what got me started on the journey. That's awesome. So you started wholesaling? I did. I did. That's cool. That's cool. Now, I mean, how active it? I guess this is hard for me to judge. I'm in the Tampa Bay market. I mean, we get thousands of transactions going on every day. How active is your market there? Are you specifically tied to Billings, or you you expand out from there, or how's that? What's that look like? You know, Montana is really hard because it's such a it's such a big state, but there's such few people that live here. Um, there's less than a million people in all of Montana. That's crazy. So you can imagine that the uh, the houses there's not many houses. You know, there's you know compared to Tampa or right or, or something like that. Or, yeah, one of those places. Um, when I first started, I, I actually I hired a mentor, and um, I highly recommend people doing that if you're brand new. And um, the first thing that I was taught was wholesaling. So we did do some stuff in Montana, a couple different markets, but one of the big things that I learned was to virtually wholesale into some markets that did have more people. Now so, uh, we, we were doing uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we did a couple of um, markets in Ohio. Can you explain... Virtual wholesaling is something that a lot of our listeners may not understand exactly what that is. Can you go a little deeper into what virtual wholesaling is all about? Absolutely. Um, so virtual wholesaling is basically the ability to dive into any market. And just like a regular wholesale deal, um, you've explained that on here before, Tyler. Just like a regular wholesale deal, you're finding a property in a different market that you live in. Um, you know, first, you're doing the market research. You're finding a property in a different market. You're getting it under contract just like you would, and you're finding a buyer just like you would in your own market. It's just everything's just done over distance. So it's the exact same thing, and some people some people don't understand the concept, but it's the exact same thing. It's just you're doing it in a different market than you live in. So essentially, you've got to really have your you-know-what together as far as having a team, boots on the ground, and that type of thing, I imagine, correct? Yeah, I recommend at least having one, maybe two people um, in that market that you know and trust. Um, I had people that I was comfortable sending them over to go look at properties. Um, you know, some of them were doing comps for me. Okay. You, de you definitely need somebody. So the, you were really, you were doing the negotiation via the internet or via phone. And these people were kind of like your eyes and ears on the ground. They would, you know, they'd maybe shoot a video or something like that. Is that kind of how you had it worked out? Absolutely. Yeah. They'd, they'd shoot me a video or they'd send me a file with a bunch of pictures and, you know, it, Tyler, like you know, this is just a numbers game. Right. Everything in real estate is just numbers, and I would I would make offers based on the numbers, and I would send somebody over to look, and if everything checked out, it was moving forward. 
Now, as far as marketing, did you were you primarily direct mail, or were you, did you have somebody putting bandit signs up in the neighborhood, or, or how that would that look like? It, it was all direct mail. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, you know, direct mail is something I did early on, and I spent a lot of money. I got some decent results, but I wouldn't say it was a home run. Um, but I've done really well off of Craigslist when I do wholesale transactions. I do pretty well off of Craigslist, but um, that's obviously very dependent on market and. As my mentor tell, taught me, is <laughs> everything works, nothing doesn't. So I guess if you sit on your thumbs and do nothing, then you won't get anything. Oh, absolutely. So I, uh, Tyler, I wholesaled for probably eight to twelve months with my mentor. Nice. And, um, I met a new a new guy who's now my my main business partner, and we had this idea, and it was kind of for us, anyways. It was this mind blowing epiphany that you know, what if we could buy a property using none of our own money? And then that property maybe could roll into a second property, then five properties and 10 properties. And so we had this idea, and that's kind of the journey and the path that I'm on now. Um, wholesaling is great, but it's, it's really not my passion or my focus anymore. Um, I, I, I really enjoy the buy and hold model, and I really enjoy trying to do it with no money. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we've, we've both done wholesaling extensively. It, is it not? It's a job. It's a grind. I mean, nothing wrong with it, but it's a grind. It is, and um, a lot like flipping houses, the second you stop, the money stops. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, that's but absolutely for sure. If you're wholesaling and you stop marketing, well, your leads stop coming in. Yes. It is, a, it is a job. You have to do it every single day. So the no money down or none of your own money, I love that because that's like, that's like a, it steals a piece of my, of my little heart when I say that because everything I've accomplished, all the real estate that I own now, I've, I've used none of my own money and – but what's cool about that is that I'm helping other people get their money out there. They don't have any experience in real estate, so chances are, if they were just swinging and missing, they would be in. They would probably lose their money. But good news is, we can pay them a nice return. Everybody wins. So, what's that look like for you? Are you are you actively seeking people? Are they just kind of finding you through traditional means, or, or how are you going about the private money thing? Well, uh, the idea of doing deals with no money is a little bit foreign to most people. Um, Tyler, I know you're a real estate agent, but a lot of real estate agents um, don't understand the concept. So we had a little bit of a hurdle when we first started. And um, we, we did have a couple people that we were closely connected to. Uh, mainly my business partner was closely connected to them. And we were just able to show them the benefit of doing investment deals with us opposed to putting the money in the stock market or a CDE or something like that. And they, they loved it. They loved the idea. Well, yeah, because, I mean, God, if they're sitting in the stock market, and I've ranted and raved about that, everybody that listens to the show knows my feeling on the stock market. There's no joke there. But And you're absolutely right. What you said is real estate agents, they're – and you got to understand, Jordan, is these, and I'm not defending them by any means because you're 100% on, uh, correct. They, they fear what they don't understand, and in real estate school – they cover that in about private money in about four sentences. And I think the, the, the fourth sentence says something about angel go to jail. And that's what they come out of real estate school. I don't care. I've talked to agents across the country and literally across the world. And I've got real estate agent friends in Belize. And they all tell me the same thing. That's what they get in real estate school is how not to go to real estate jail. Uh, as far as any other type of learning that's beneficial, unfortunately, the state systems don't allow for that. So they're ill-prepared when they come out of real estate school to do with deal with anything you know most, most people including most investors all they know or all they've been taught is you find a real estate agent you put them to work trying to find a prop property 
you come up with a down payment out of your bank account and you purchase the property. Right. That's, that's what most people are taught. Right. And then the agent doesn't have, know anything about buy and hold for one, which is pretty basic. But um, got, before you even get into the flipping part of it, uh, yeah, it gets kind of crazy. And it's unfortunate. Now, we have very little competition in our market because myself and I've, three of the people on my team are all licensed agents, but we're also investors. So it kind of blows people away. And even <laughs> we get more referrals from other agents. They're like, here, you take my client because I have no idea what you're talking about when you talk about NOI. It just scares them to death. So it's cool that you're out there providing that service. And I wish you could train, you get some agents trained up in your area because that could be a, a real win-win scenario for everybody if you could get them on board with your line of thinking. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, it's just a different It's a different mindset. I've got a, a real estate agent that I work with in one of my markets, and I've given her my criteria. And I said, I will buy anything that meets this criteria. Right. How many properties do you think she's brought to me? Zero, probably. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's... She loves it when I find a deal. Oh, of course she does. But it's yeah, sad. It's a different mentality. Yeah, it is. And unfortunately, you know, to get a real estate license, you don't have to be a go-getter. You just have to show up, fog the mirror, and pass the test. And that's part of the problem with the industry is there's not a lot of go-getters out there. You got, And the same thing happens on the investing side. You got these, these people that, that, that they pay thirty-five dollars to $50,000 to go to real estate uh, guru training, and they, they expect... Well, that should make me rich overnight. And wait a minute, why am I not getting rich overnight? I know you talk about that a lot in the group, which is I'm glad you're doing that and you're helping people avoid some of that drama, that guru garbage that's going on out there and teaching people that, yeah, you can do this. You, you, you're you not even 30 years old yet, are you? No, 28. Yeah, and you're crushing it. You're absolutely crushing it, and I love it. I think that's great. Well, part of, part of what's made me and my partner successful is our, our demand for a good deal. Yeah. I mean, we... That's what that's what makes us money, and that's what makes our our investors money. I mean, we we don't settle for anything that's mediocre. We don't settle for anything that doesn't meet our criteria. Now that's powerful. Now, folks, if you're listening, pay attention to what you may have just missed. Something what he just said is is a powerful, powerful message. If it doesn't make sense, don't buy it. Back up, regroup. You gotta have said this before, Jordan. I know you heard it. You listen to the show. You gotta nego- learn how to negotiate. Or if you can't negotiate, get a mentor, get an agent, get somebody in there, a real estate attorney, whatever, somebody to negotiate and stick to your numbers. Now, you, you've come up with your criteria, and you don't budge, do you? Not at all. That's perfect. And that's why, I, I assume, that's why you've been so successful, uh, especially so quickly, is you've come up, you've identified criteria that makes sense, and it's not based on how pretty something is. It's right. based on the bottom line. You've, you've put some oops money in there or some oops percentages, I'm sure. And you're probably conservative. Absolutely. Yeah. And so do you, how often do you really get hurt? I mean, everybody gets hurt sometimes. You just got to, that's part of the deal. But how often really statistically does that happen to you? I imagine not very often. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So do you mind sharing with the audience your criteria or is that, am I digging too deep? No, that's fine. We okay. Three main criteria that we do. Um, my first criteria, no matter what, is it has to be 50% cash-on-cash cash ROI. So to simplify that, say there's $100,000 that's put up in the deal, my return in 12 months has to be half of that, $50,000. Now, most people, most even most investors are going to look at that and say, man, that's crazy. You can't find that deal. I, I, I do it every month. Oh, I could, that can be found. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, a lot of people are looking for 8% return, 10% return, 50% return or nothing. Well, let me ask you, the people that, because I know you bump into a lot of people that are happy with with the 8% return and whatnot. Is that, do you think it's just because they they just don't believe it's a, it's a mindset thing? They just don't believe it can be done any better or they feel like they're taking advantage of somebody if they, if they demand a higher return? What are your thoughts on that? I think people don't know how to find a better deal. Uh-huh. There you go. It comes down to financial IQ, financial literacy, um, understanding how to structure a deal, understanding how to make a win-win for both you and the seller. And that, that, that's how we do it. That's Yeah, that hit the nail on the head. So you're actually taking time to educate the other side of the transaction. If you're the buyer, you're, you're taking some time to bestow. I can't get my words out today. I'm still worn out from Chicago. But bestow some of what you've learned and pass that on to the other side of the transaction. It sounds like you don't think of them as the enemy. You think of them like a team. You're trying to create a win-win scenario for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we, we try to remain friends with people that, that are selling us properties, especially if they have more properties. Um, we just closed on a 10-plex a couple weeks ago, and uh, we've gone back to that seller and said, look, we've, we've got more money. Um, we need to invest it. What else do you want to sell plus? And because we built a relationship with her, and because we've taken her out to lunch, you know, 10 times, right. she's very, very open to that conversation. And I, I bet we'll do another deal with her, if not two or three more deals with her. And she knows you're going to perform. And, and, we, and we've had the, done the same thing in, in our two markets is, folks, when you guys are out there and you're, and you're working with buyers and sellers, and, and you, whether you're the buyer or the seller, you're dealing with the other side of the transaction. Jordan, what you just said is makes the most sense of anything. It's take the time to build rapport with people. This isn't a game. It's not a it's not a contest to see who can who can screw the other person worse, and it's not always about winning on one side. It's about win win or no deal. But we we got a transaction going right now. We've got a great seller, and I've built rapport up with the seller, and I'm representing it's a retail not a retail deal, but it's a, I'm representing the client as an agent on this one, and it's turned out to be a great deal. We went through the inspection process. We found there were some major issues there, but we got a great guy who understands it, wants to deliver a good, solid transaction to my buyer. He's he's laser focused on that. And we can bridge that gap and bring everything together so everybody wins. I mean, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. And then this kid will get a nice little uh, multifamily property for himself and everybody's happy. So absolutely critical. Now, getting started, I'm sure you probably had to run up against quite a few brick walls, especially in the buy and hold thing. I mean, did, did you have people, a lot of people slamming doors in your face? I don't know what it's like out there in Montana. Absolutely. Um, what... Tyler, what I think was made me so successful is um, I learned a while ago if I if I surround myself with people that are ten times more intelligent than I am, if I surround myself with people that have been in the industry a lot longer than I am, and if I just spend all my time with them, well, shoot, I'm going to learn something that they know. Yes, so, you will. Um, a big part of what has made this work, what has made our company work, is just surrounding myself with other people. Um, my business partner that I work with every single day has been doing this a lot longer than I have. Um, some of our ideas and some of our concepts are a little bit, a little bit different, but you know, spending time with those people, you know, has really increased my financial IQ. And so, walking into these situations with sellers, like you just mentioned, um, it, it makes it a little bit more smooth. It makes it a little bit more doable. And um, I am young. I do look really young. Um, I still get carded for everything. But, uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no. I'd rather that than the other way around. But, they help me across the street. <laughs> having, having
having a team, having people on your team and having people behind you that are more experienced really, really has helped me a lot. Now, I've had people ask me, and, and this happens a lot. This question comes up a lot is people are like, well, you say build. I always tell people build a team. You got you to gotta build that team, and that's one of your greatest assets is your team, and that has definitely been one of mine. But how much resistance? I know you, to some degree you have to get people on board with your with your methodology of thinking, like your attorneys, your CPAs, your all the necessary people, the boots on the ground, whatever you're talking about in whatever job, how difficult was it for you to really get people on board? And so you didn't have to, what I, what I'm getting at is a lot of listeners like, well, I don't have $50,000 right now to throw and hire this big team. How's that worked out for you? How are you attracting the talent? What, what are the things you looking, you're looking for when you're bringing on a new team member, just in a general sense? Well, when we started, the team was me and my business partner. Um, you know, we didn't have 10 people on our team. Right. So, you know, as months went on and as we started to acquire uh, rental properties, we said, okay, well, now we've got a need for, you know, an accountant. Okay, so that was the first thing that we looked for. Now we've got a need for, you know, a bookkeeper. You know, as, as we started to grow, it'll become very, very apparent what you need. Um, for us, one of the biggest things that we needed is we needed somebody on the ground in our market, which happens to be three hours away from me, you know, somebody that could go meet with tenants, um, somebody that was a handyman, somebody that could do some of the construction work. Right. And, uh, you know, when we found that key member, man, it made our lives a lot easier. So as, as we've been growing or as you guys are growing, it'll be very, it'll become very apparent, <coughs> excuse me, very apparent what you need. Exactly. So you're not having to go out. And I want to reiterate what you just said is you don't have to go out and hire an army on day one. Like Jordan just said, as you as you take the time to actually start pulling triggers and doing deals, you're gonna you're gonna clearly see the need for individual team members. Like you said, Jordan, that that accountant, you maybe need that attorney at some point, and and not an attorney in a bad way. You just may need some help getting a contract situated, or you may need an agent, you may need a lender or private money partners. All these things will come in time, but the key, folks. The key is to get out there and start pulling some triggers, making mistakes. I mean, how often do you make mistakes, Jordan? Almost every day. <laughs> you probably get out of bed. You strike me. You're all, you, you sound a lot like I do. Sometimes I get out of bed, and I'm hoping I can knock out some mistakes early so the rest of the day will be a big win. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, maybe trip and fall down the stairs, but in Florida, everything's first floor. So, you know, <laughs> we don't have too many stairs here in Florida. But a couple yeah, tips. Tyler, you've talked about this a lot before. Um, you know, part of being successful is realizing what you're not good at. Um, I'm not, oh, amen. I'm not good at books. I can find a deal that no one else can find, but you ask me to do the payroll or paperwork. I'm lost. Yeah. So, you know, self identifying what you're good at and what you're not good at will help you know who you need on your team. And see, that was, that's yeah. Like you, I, I'm good at numbers as far as putting deals together. I, I, I'm great at that. But when it comes to the accounting side and accounting for everything, I am very much a hand to shoebox to the CFO kind of guy. Absolutely. And when I hired the CFO, that was the best thing I've ever done for my business. Oh my goodness. Cause there's no more shoeboxes anymore. It's great. I mean, he beats me up a little bit every once in a while. I was like, well, you got to stop using this account to pay for that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Use this. Our, our, uh, our, our CPA, you know, chooses out when it comes time for taxes. Yep, yep. And I, I hired a uh, fractional CFO. It's a part-time CFO. And he's basically the liaison between me and the CPA because I found out that he can keep track of the day-to-day -day operations part-time. You know, we're not some multinational company here where we've got 
50,000 employees and all that. But um, I, he does our books once a month, and then every quarter he sends them to the CPA. The C- he and the CPA confirm. They get me on the phone. They explain it to me. I try to stay awake during the conversation, and everybody's happy. And I don't have to pay any income tax, so everybody's, you know, tickled pink. Usually. So some tips for the new people starting out. I mean, I know take action. I know you're big on taking action. You know, you get out there and you're, you're taking the steps to get stuff done. What do you say to people that are just terrified to write that first offer? I would say surround yourself with people that are, that are doing it, you know, and once you've got people that you can talk to, you know, maybe somebody you can call on the phone or maybe it's a local group. I know you guys have a good one in Florida, Tyler. Um, but when you surround yourself with people that are actually doing it, you know, um, th- that fear starts to diminish. Um, action trumps fear every single time. So when you start taking action and you surround yourself with other people that are taking action, that it, it, it takes a little while, but that fear goes away. And now for you, you chose, I know you did some wholesaling, but then you pretty quickly went into the buy and hold scenario. Why did you choose buy and hold versus, I, I, cause I find it shocking, especially being a younger guy, everybody I run into is like, Tyler, teach me how to fix and flip like you used to do. Oh, that's, there's no way I'm going to teach you how to fix and flip because you'll get crushed. <laughs> but what made you decide to jump into buy and hold? I think it's brilliant that you did. I'm just curious what brought you to the buy and hold so quickly. It was a single idea. And that idea came from Robert Kiyosaki and some other people like that. I wanted to be 100% financially free so I could go do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. And I realized that, you know, the fix and flip or the wholesale model wasn't going to cut it for me. So I love, I'm sure you do as well, Tyler. I love the net passive income that comes in every single month. Um, For me, it was a business model that was very scalable and very growable. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, my, I didn't start out even with the first uh, buy and hold property. I didn't start out thinking that I was going to own, you know, hundreds of properties. It evolved into that. Now, I want to, let's talk about that first property. What I mean, you must have been terrified the first. My first one was a fourplex. What was yours? A single family. Okay. And how did you did that private money or you just borrowed the down payment, used a bank loan? How did that, what did that structure look like? It was a really strange deal. Um, I don't do a ton of them like this. Um, I found the property on Craigslist. I thought it was a good deal. I really had no idea. Yeah. Um, so I found it. I got it under contract and I started doing some research on what I could rent it for. And it was actually my business partner that said, you know, why don't we sell that on a contract? So I, I did use a bank to buy it. Right. And then I did sell it on a contract. Depending on your banker, that could be a big no-no. Right. But that is what we did. And uh, so we put up, I think, $6,000. And in a week, we got $10,000 as a down payment. Nice. So I told you that all of our deals are done with no money. Right. Well, that, that one, we did use some of our own money, but it was like seven days. Yeah, well, I don't count so, that. Uh, yeah, six thousand uh, into the deal made ten thousand dollars back, and then we were making four hundred dollars a month in the income. We rode that out for I think ten months, and then we sold the paper. Nice, nice. So you just you sold the paper at a discount. Which guys, if you're not, if you're listening and you're curious what that means, basically you have a, a promissory note that is a tangible item. That's something of value um, that can be bought and sold. So if you've got say a hundred thousand dollar note. I would come in and say to Jordan, hey, Jordan, I'll give you 75000 cash for that note right now, and I'll wait to collect the payments. Well, and depending on Jordan's situation, that may work for him so he can move that money over to another asset 
and get that money flowing or get a higher return. And that's basically what you, what you did, correct? That's exactly what we did. Yep. Um, after we sold the note, we took that money and we rolled it into a, a sixplex. Cool. Man, there's a jump from a single family house to a sixplex. That's cool. I like that. I wish I never bought that sixplex. Really? Did it wear you out? Um, it was all the way in Wyoming. Um, so, you know, Montana and Wyoming border each other, but the uh, Wyoming winters are crazy. I mean, half the time the highways are open, half the time they're closed. But we bought it. I mean, we bought it for nothing. We bought it on a contract. Instead of selling a property on a contract, we bought this one on a contract. So uh, the seller agreed to take a very small amount down, and we made payments on the rest of it. And that one, I mean, we, we cash flowed pretty good on that one. It was just the distance and the age of the building were killing us. Right. So uh, we sold that one as well, and it's just we started rolling. Because out there, you're really geographically limited. I mean, you, you, the only way you're going to get there is unless you own a helicopter, you're going to get in a car and drive um, yeah. or pack mule or something or other. But, I mean, I can get to Memphis. It's great. I can get to Memphis in two hours. From the time I leave my house, I can be at Memphis Airport in two hours. Which I used, live, I used to live in a town in Montana that was so far removed that the closest Walmart was like almost an hour away. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, you had a tiny grocery store, way too many bars, and one place to eat, and that's it. I know a lot of rednecks in South, South Florida that would freak out just hearing that, that Walmart was that far away. If they're not within 20 minutes of a Walmart, they got a problem. That's, but, I mean, that's, that's really all we really have out here. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's targets and stuff like that, but I need to get myself out there because I love to hunt, and I know that drives some of my listeners crazy. That I'm I'm a, I love my guns and I love hunting, and and I go I'm dying to go out to Montana cause, and stay for a couple weeks and check stuff out. So maybe I'll have to put you on my list of people to come out and see and and check out that market out there as well. But if you came to Montana and didn't stop and see me, I'd be I'd be a little bit upset with you. Yeah, you should be because I tend to I've done that before. God, I've. I, sometimes I go to towns, I forget where friends of mine live, and I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> I get home and I realize it, but whoops, I just did that in Chicago. I got a couple of friends up in Chicago, and on you know the last day I'm going, oh, geez, I forgot to call everybody and let them know I'm in Chicago. But anyway, before we hang up today, I want to, besides the obvious, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, everybody reads Rich Dad, Poor Dad, give me a book that most people probably wouldn't have heard of or something that, that uh, you've read or, or seen lately that has really made an impact on you that our listeners would benefit from. Well, a big part of what I do is uh, buying properties with no money. So I've recently I've been reading a lot of books on private money and some different alternatives and using a bank. So I just picked up a book called Getting the Money, and I highly recommend that book for anybody that is interested in trying to buy properties without using your money. Awesome. Now, I know we briefly talked about it. Maybe I shouldn't pull the cat out of the bag at this point, but I'm going to anyway because that's how I roll sometimes. You're talking about doing some coaching. I think that's cool. Uh, could people reach out to you through the Facebook group if you decide to do that? Is that the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, find me on the Facebook group. Send me a message. Um, we're in a little bit of a transition period. Sure. We've got some really exciting stuff coming. And Awesome. Um, Tyler, like you, I, I love helping people. Um, when I was brand new, I had so many people that reached out to me and offered to give me a helping hand and offered to give me you know, a little bit of their education and a little bit of what they knew that I didn't know. And that that's what made me stay in the game. Um, so I love to give back and I love to help people. Yeah, that's awesome. And I do too. And that's, that's really what started the cash flow guys podcast. I mean, obviously it's a great networking tool as well, but it's been real good. And Jordan, I appreciate you coming on the show today. I uh, hope folks you've learned something today and you get out there and take some massive action because 
Guys, that's what it's all about. It's taking massive action, getting off the couch, making mistakes, fail forward, fail fast, fail frequently. That's what you absolutely have to do to make it in this business. Real estate guru isn't going to make it there. You can write $50,000 checks all you want. All that's going to do is make you broke. Getting off the couch, pulling triggers, making stuff happen, that's what it's going to do. You need help getting off that couch? You need a swift kick in the shorts? Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. And again, if you want to join Jordan's Facebook group, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash Jordan. J O R D A N. And that'll also be in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us this week, and we will see you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.